to Nerds of the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we're going to be reviewing one of Dwayne's choices. Uh, Dwayne, what are we reviewing? Well, Jamie, we're going into the digital world with this episode. And before I tell you what we're reviewing, I want to talk about something in the digital world that I really didn't even know had existed yet. Guys, we have a website. <laughs> How long has yes, this we been do. Uh, July of last year. Okay, thanks for letting me know. So, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> Dwayne, I think you went into some kind of fugue state or something. We've had this discussion. <laughs> I must have had. I've been having some memory hiccups and stuff here. So anyway, yeah, check out our website, Nerds of the Round Table. Dot. So it's roundtable nerds at WordPress. See, roundtable nerds dot WordPress dot com. Okay, <laughs> that's that's great. Yeah, so go there and give us some traffic. Also, we're like I said, we're in the digital world. We're checking out 1982 Walt Disney's classic Tron, starring Jeff Bridges, Bruce Boxleitner, and some blonde-haired lady from the 80s. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right. And uh, when Dwayne was talking about how he didn't know about the, the website, I was picturing Will Ferrell at old school, like coming out of that thing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, our next segment would be the nerd alert if there were a nerd alert. And so um, there's still not been a recent uh, review of our podcast on Apple Podcasts. And this is. One of the ways that podcasts get spread and get noticed, um, there's some kind of witchcraft involved with their algorithm. <laughs> you get downloaded <laughs> or recommended or restored or whatever. Like we climb the charts and get noticed. They make us more easy to find in the search engine. So right. uh, we would love it if you would, if you would give us a, uh, a review. And no, we prefer five stars. Anything less than that, um, we've got an email for that. That's nerds at gmail.com. We will take your constructive feedback. <laughs> so calling all nerds of the realm to action. Yes. All right, but before we get to Tron, um, we've got to keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right, and Sammy, I've gone on too long. You get to go first. All sure right. Here we go, and I'm starting my timer now. My keep it 100 this week is Stargirl. Now, don't be confused with the Disney Plus movie, okay? This is not that Stargirl. This is the Stargirl based on Jeff John's character. Um, so this, the first episode debuted on DC Universe on Monday, May 18th, and it was everything I hoped it would be. Uh, such great callbacks to the golden age of DC, showcasing your first superhero team ever, the Justice Society of America. Um, plus, there's great little casting choices, such as Joel McHale as Starman slash the Star Spangled Kid. Um, the lead role, uh, Breck Bassinger, is such great. She's super at this part. And Luke Wilson just really brings Pat Dugan to life for me. Uh, the great thing about it is if you don't have DCU, it's okay. You can watch this on Tuesdays on the CW. So uh, episode one is now on the CW app. 
So if you're interested in checking out a little bit of DC history with a, um, I don't know, almost like a Riverdale twist to it, uh, I would check out Stargirl. Uh, it, it's very promising. So uh, that's my keeping it 100. All right. Awesome. Awesome. Heard some good things about that show, uh, Sam, even uh, not from you, but uh, very interesting how that would work out. Yeah, and and Dwayne, you you were giving me a little bit of a look there with uh, Starman slash the Star Spangled Kid. (laughs) Yeah. A little, is he having an age crisis or what's going on there? Well, well, he started when he was like 16. So he was the Star Spangled Kid then. But when he grew up, he became Starman. And he grew into Starman after college. Right, right. He grew up to be Joel McHale and got real tall and, (laughs) you know. (laughs) His voice deepened. Yes, yes. But. Okay. Good deal. <laughs> Great. That's that. That's uh. I was more like, how does that work? <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. Well, I'm up next uh, on this keeping it 100. So as I hit go on my timer, um, I am going to talk about about the only thing I've had time for this week, and about the only thing I remember watching in the last few weeks that we haven't already talked about, is uh, the movie Tangled from Disney. Uh, we uh are huge fans of this. You have Mandy Moore and you also have Shazam himself um, as Flynn Rider in there. Uh, Fun movie just takes the uh, Rapunzel myth and modernizes it in the Disney legend and makes it work in that universe. And if you watch frozen, you'll see Flynn and Rapunzel walking to uh, Elsa's birthday party. Little uh, Easter egg there, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, that's just something that we've been enjoying. Is you know, as as we're having this family time, and we've been on quarantine, no sports and uh, karate classes, and all these other events are are canceled. So we've been popping some popcorn, burning a pizza, and just having some great time on the couch watching family movies. And Tangled has been a fun one for us. That's my keeping it one hundred. Cool. Yeah, of the princess movies I've been made to watch as being a father of daughters, Tangled is probably my favorite. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, the, the Maximus the horse is is a, a great character, and yeah. yeah, you know, of course you have you know, uh, and I'm blanking on his name right now. I, I I just said it a few minutes ago, but uh, yeah, the guy who played Flynn Rider who plays Shazam is is a ton of fun in that. Yeah, I actually I think I like I like Tangled better than Frozen. Um, I know that's not. I guess that's kind of hot takey or whatever, but yeah, yeah, that's a bit, that's <laughs> a bit of a hot take. But you know, that's Frozen, Jamie's Disney hot take. Frozen, <laughs> Frozen's a good movie, but I I tend to like uh, it, you know even Moana uh, and uh, Tangled a bit better. Uh, I like Brave better than Frozen. Hmm. I, it's been so long since I've seen Brave, and I don't think I got to see the whole thing. Um, I, I will tell you the thing I like about Moana though: Alan Tudyk is the chicken. Mm-hmm. I'm always a fan of watching it and work. Um, (laughs) (laughs) All right. Sorry about the Disney detour there. Um, All right. So I'm up up last here. Uh, Okay. So my keeping 100, I'm going with Pacific Rim. And there are, as I was pondering Tron, uh, Pacific Rim popped up into my head. I think there are some similarities between the two that kind of connected some dots. Um, Pacific Rim is visually stunning. Um, The Jaegers all look super cool. Uh, Don't think about how they work. Just enjoy how they look. Um, the kaiju are all distinct and really impressive. 
the plot's not very deep uh, or particularly smart, uh, but it is a fun plot. Um, there's lots of cool fights and some interesting world building. Have I mentioned yet that it's mostly giant mechs fighting giant kaiju, demolishing cities and all kinds of craziness? Uh, love Pacific Rim. Uh, also, the cast is great. Idris Elba canceling the apocalypse as the awesomely named Stacker Pentecost. The cool name. Um, not a very realistic name, but I love it. Uh, got Charlie Day and Ron Perlman are also standouts in the cast. Um, but the stars of the movie are those Jaegers. It's those kaiju. Um, also, they fight a lot. <laughs> Treat yourself. Treat yourself. Uh, tur- turn the lights in your brain down pretty dim and enjoy Pacific Rim. That's my key to your Yeah, this also, movie can... Also, the Jaegers and the kaiju fight a lot. This movie can be uh, deemed as uh, Il Milme with uh, giant robots <laughs> and giant monsters. Big dumb fun. Yeah. Great. <laughs> Jamie, you, 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 you had me at Mex and Kaiju. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was trying to emphasize that. <laughs> In my notes, I had a little... Over three or four lines, was like, mention the Kaiju and Kaiju and Jaeger's fight. That's <laughs> <laughs> the highlight. All right. All right. <laughs> now let's get to Tron. <laughs> <laughs> that does not have Kaiju. So. Uh, unfortunately, more movies should have Kaiju in. Um, all right. So, as our, our first segment, as we get into our, our actual review of Tron this week, as our opening thoughts and grades. And um, I have the privilege of going first this time. And um, this movie is uh, <laughs> not, not as dumb as Pacific Rim, but it is, it is visually brilliant. Uh, it's very distinctive. I mean, to this day, there's nothing that really that quite looks like Tron. Um, there's some really interesting performances in the movie. Uh, we've got some awards for that later, so I'm not going <laughs> to mention any names. <laughs> And in some ways, it's kind of a legacy movie. This movie has like kind of a special place in the nerdy world. Um, <laughs> uh-oh. Some people are making faces on my Skype connection here. <laughs> um, but uh, but for all, I think for all that, I mean, it has some flaws, and but I'm still going A- minus on it. I think it's got a special place in the uh, geeky corner of the world. So A-. minus. Same. Awesome. Um, you know... I do think this movie has its place in in the uh, the nerd verse for sure. Uh, as I look at my my Tron pop sitting over on my shelf, um, but you know when it comes to this movie, this was probably one of my very early movie going experiences. Uh, my grandmother took me to see this at the Cinderella Theater, and that was one of our local theaters when I was a kid. Um, and I think it's a perfect example of what Disney does by kind of emulating the cultural zeitgeist of a time period and really just trying to pull that in uh, the concepts of the video game arcade, the early days of computer programming. Um, And there's a lot of themes that I think even today have some cultural relevance that I think you can still pull out of this. Um, With all that said, though, I'm going to give it a B in terms of grade. One word, light cycles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, much as uh, Sam alluded to, you know, this movie being a, a very cultural uh, of the time movie, 
Um, it does have a lot of resonance even to this day. Jamie mentioned it being a legacy movie, and we, uh, you know, recently in the last few years had had Tron Legacy, Legacy, uh, the the sequel many years later, uh, speaking to the evolution of the uh, world that was created there. Uh, but yeah, you you have the arcade, you have the movie filmed in such a way that, you know, uh, it was kind of toted as a digitally animated, like the first digital animated film. And there is elements of digital animation in there, but they're very kind of few and far between. If you ever watched a, uh, uh, some documentary filmmaking on this movie, it's very interesting the way it was filmed. Uh, they, they actually kind of took the negatives and made them in such a way and would shine light through them and kind of redo them to have the glowy effect of the characters, uh, the different colored lights and stuff is really, really neat. And a cool thing is if you notice during certain sections of the movie, the whole screen will kind of go light gray, dark gray, and the, and the color is real inconsistent. And a neat thing happened. This was a lot of computer programmers' first time ever being turned loose to make a movie. And so they backed this big truck full of Kodak film up for them to start filming on. Well, they didn't know that it was processed in a way and needed to be filmed on in a way that it was sequentially for, for color grade. So they just was grabbing boxes at random, and that's where you get the color <laughs> variations in there. It was a big mistake, but it kind of worked out in this early electronic thing, you know, showing yeah. inconsistencies in the computers and things. Really neat, really interesting. And as you can tell, if I'm if I'm gushing a bit, this movie kind of made a huge impact on me just visually, with the you know the performances, with the design, the world design, the lights, cycles, the recognizers, the tanks. Um, you know, the video game aspects, the free will aspects, if you if you will, you know, of the programs working and it being referred to in the game universe as almost a religion, you know, that, that they were trying to stamp out. Uh, it's really neat. This movie is a solid A for me. It's got its flaws. It's not a perfect movie, but I love it perfectly. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so. Well, I, I mean... You know, I, I just think that, like, I mean, it's such a unique movie. I mean, well, we, we've had you know, things kind of like, it, like where people get sucked inside of computers or whatever, but, I mean, the combination of it being the first to kind of do that, but also it just it just looks different. There's nothing really that looks the same. I know Lawnmower Man tried that a little bit. Mac Tedroom tried to do a little bit of that. Yeah. I mean, but, but Tron still just looks unique. And yeah. I, I just, you know, I think it makes it kind of special. Yeah, yeah. And, and like you said, you know, all of those things, Lawnmower Man, Max Headroom, they come even years later. You see how Tron influenced the genre. You see how it influenced uh, the design of even other science fiction movies, you know, with vehicles and, and world building and such. It's really, really uh, impactful. And I think you could draw a direct line from Tron to even The Matrix with mm -hmm. the idea of the computer and being in the computer and stuff. Yeah, and then, I mean, think about the, uh, oh, Dwayne, help me. What's the, you, you liked the character and I didn't. What, and the sequels, the, the guy at the center of everything. Clue. Clue. Yeah, and um, it kind of you know, kind of like a master control program type character. I mean, there's even those yeah. kind of similarities. Mm -hmm. um, but, all right, uh, time to get our fans out. Where are you get our fans out? Let's do it. Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. 
Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel, three brothers who like each other but love comics. Sorry, I'll stop being Captain Rabbit Trail today, guys. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what's your fan? All right. You know, I think for me, when it comes to this movie, I, I know I'm, I'm a low man on the grade pole uh, this time around. So, we, which, which is. Though. Which is strange in its own right. You know, I, I usually grade these things a little higher just for nostalgia's sake. But I think that's part of it that for my fan. Tron is just a fun movie. Still to this day, you can sit down with your popcorn and enjoy this story. Um, you know, this movie in some ways is almost more of a fantasy movie with a little bit of an SF dress put on it. You know, the kind of this other world and this, you know, evil entity that, that's ruling it. So it has very much fantasy aspects to it, I think. And I think just the scope of this movie is still stunningly beautiful. It's just, it's pretty to look at, man, still to this day. Yeah. Uh, my, the Blu-ray copy I have is just beautiful to watch. So that's probably my big fan for this. It's just a fun movie. Yeah, I agree 100%. It is a fun movie, and you talked about you know the the elements of it being a fantasy movie uh, with this science fiction dressing on it, and it really is. You know, the world building, the world design is is my biggest fan. You know, in in this era, 1982, when we still really had no idea what was going on in that box on the counter you know i still do what's going on in that <laughs> box yeah at at the bank you know what's this? and 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 even at this time you know, had these large mainframes and and they were still transitioning from tape you know and things and you know how does this stuff work and there's this whole other little world in there and that world building really captured my imagination you know and you know when you're they play the video games it's actual you know sentient programs essentially you know driving the light cycles uh throwing yeah. the uh you know throwing the balls to the rings to knock it out to make the other ones fall off into oblivion um you know it, as they become derezzed as they speak uh, but the world building to this and even if you look at tron legacy jamie i know you're going to get into that really soon but even if you look into tron legacy of how the world evolved from that i'm not a big a fan of what the world evolved into some of the aspects, but it's very contemporary, uh, contemporaneous with what's going on in computers today with, uh, you know, AI and, and all the forward thinking programming and stuff. So world design is, in the impact there is my biggest fan. Dwayne, the Flintstones taught me that it's a little dinosaur on a treadmill that, that runs inside. <laughs> <the box. laughs> yeah, that's what the Flintstones taught me. Well, well, Tron taught me that it was a giant cylinder of light. Uh, controlling <laughs> everything, you know, and uh, and as uh, you know, we're typing on the keyboard. We have to speak to our program. This is really important that you find the data. You know, it's, this is more data. important. This is more important than fixing my telephone bill in my bank account. You know, <laughs> you know yeah, I love those little interactions. You know, that that world building just was so fun. All right, um, Jay, well, what I'm, do you have? Um. It's a, it's a fan, but I know it's not like the biggest thing in the movie. You guys kind of talk around my, my biggest fan. Uh, so I'm going to go with my backup. And it, the, the attempt at some philosophical themes, um, they don't all end. They're not super fleshed out. But I did <laughs> enjoy some of the stuff. Like the, um, 
the like the I mean, we say all kinds of stuff now about like about AI and what you know when AI goes wild, when AI gets you know overpowered and it takes over, and there's all kinds of horror movies where the AI takes over a building and whatever. And that's already here. Like the master control program is already. I mean, in 1982, it's already a thing. And they're kind yes. of inter, you know, I, I love the way it kind of bosses around Dillinger and has him under its thumb. Um, I, I just I, I enjoyed that. But also there was the um, the attempt that I don't know that it really works. <laughs> I don't think all the dots connect. But the attempt to t- think about like philosophy and religion, um, where there's like, you know, some of the users have this kind of religious faith, like a, a religious fervor for their users, like Ram and um, the the other guy that was an insurance program. I forget <laughs> what he was. Yeah, it's an actuary and, program. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> and, I, and, I, and the way they played with it, like there were like there were these um, these other programs that didn't believe that there were no users. It was this myth. But then behind it all, Master Master Control Program and Sark, you know, knew there were users, but they were trying to squash that. So this idea of like religious persecution and the secular society, all this kind of stuff. I don't think it all gets fleshed out. I don't think it holds together through the whole plot of the movie. But this is, you know, a, a fun movie made for kids in the 19, in 1982, and they're they're attempting this stuff. They're attempting some some thematic depth, and I just I appreciate that. It's all half baked, and it doesn't all land. None of none of the landings are stick. But, uh, but I appreciate the attempt. They went as deep as they could go and still have the glowy outline. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here's a little philosophy. Oh, yeah, light cycles over here, guys. Look at the light cycles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there is a little bit of almost like a morality tale type of thing to it. You know, I, I think Wait. that's there. I mean, like yeah. you said, I don't think it sticks the landing. The Russian judge would definitely mark it down, <laughs> but... <laughs> Which I think I think they undo some of that when they have the conversation between Flynn and Tron, mm-hmm. where Tron, where Tron and Walterface are talking. Yori, I think's her name, but yep, like they were yep. talking about the users, yep. and Flynn reveals that he's a user, and they're like, "Oh, well, you should be able to blah 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 blah." And he's like, oh, "We're just like you." I'm like, "Okay, what are we doing here? <laughs> I don't know where you're going now." I'm like, "What do you do with your themes? I don't, I don't know where you're where you're leading me." Like, but, <laughs> but it was interesting that they tried it. You know, they attempted it. And it's just a little something to chew on and think about in a, you know, a fun kids movie. So I appreciate the effort. Cool. Yeah. It was, it was uh, definitely a, a lot of fun uh, when they were trying to get into some of that stuff. So should we go to our digital kitchen and get out the digital pans? All right. Well, I'm leading off with uh, pans this week. Uh, you know, and I know we talk a lot about, you know, your own picks. You have a little bit of great inflation. And uh, as I was finishing up my show notes, I was really thinking, like, you know, what what is a pen? This movie is so much fun. It's so visually arresting, and it tries to tackle so much stuff. But it doesn't land some of them, like Jamie said. You know, there's some things that just don't land. And I think a big problem with that, to me, the dialogue is kind of clunky. Uh, it's not real natural. I understand, you know, these are computer programs, but even in the real world, it just seems kind of artificial. It doesn't doesn't seem quite right. I was never able to buy Dillinger as a person. He always seemed like he was this strange thing, uh, which I guess that's kind of a character, but he was always just never stuck it with me, even as being menacing. He he was never menacing. He just kind of seemed like a creep. But yeah, the dialogue really uh, stumbled a lot for me in this. 
All right. Um, I, I agree. I, I think that that was that period where they could figure out how to talk to kids. Like, you know, do, they, are they, are they going to talk down yeah. to kids or talk to Yeah, them they're, like they're trying to sound smart, but still dumb it down. Right. And it's like, okay, Jamie, Einstein says E equals MC squared. Energy and mass, you know, and, and yeah. it just doesn't, doesn't land, doesn't stick. Right. It's your dog's turn. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've had that. We've been serenaded by the puppies this evening. At my house in Dwayne's. Uh, my pain is next, and um, this is a little bit of a flashback to uh, to Flash Gordon here. The sports stuff. Um, but it's the opposite. Like in Flash Gordon, when that football scene or whatever that was started, I mean, just horror. I just appalled at what was happening on, on my TV screen. Um, but in this movie, I get a kick out of the sports stuff. Like when they drop them on those little circles and they start smacking that thing around with their weird, you know, talon glove, whatever that thing was. <laughs> and the little lines of the, of the bullseye start disappearing underneath them. I loved that. I thought it was awesome. And it lasted about three minutes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and, I, and part of the problem too is as a kid, I was fascinated by that. I mean, part, part of the problem with that scene is I remembered it wrong. I thought that lasted forever. It was super <laughs> important to the plot. And Flynn had all these things he had to accomplish. And it was just this one little thing. But for some reason, that thing. stuck in my head. Yeah, it stuck uh, out to you. Yeah. And I wish there'd be more of it. Because it was just such a weird sport. Like, we didn't, we did, I mean, especially in the 1980s, you know, America, we weren't, there were no sports like that. It was a similar sport in South America like that. I think it's a popular sport in Brazil, I think. But yes. Like something I, similar. But yeah. But in my head, man, I, I was just—I'd never seen anything like that in my life, and it stuck out to me. And I thought it was important. <laughs> Watch it this time, and it's just nothing further. <laughs> well, you know the marketing, uh, that they, and a lot of those, you know, like the light cycles, uh, that the the ball catch and throw game, you know, that was released as toys, if you remember. Um, well, once again, I'm a little younger. He doesn't. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember any of that. <laughs> I saw Tron on TBS repeat. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Sammy, what's your pain? All right, you know, I think my biggest pain, despite that, you know, I do like this movie and it is a fun movie. I think that the technology in some ways does make it somewhat dated in terms of a movie, you know, because this is the DOS prompt era. I mean, mm -hmm. th there's a dot matrix printer you know, that they're using, okay? Um, most of the video games th at this time had about 36 lines of code, all right? So comparing that to like a Call of Duty, which has like 750,000 lines of code, <laughs> I mean, it gives you this idea about, I mean, historically it's great, you know, if you're into video games and stuff, but I just think it really dates the movie. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong, this is my era. This is the era I grew up. But I think a lot of modern audiences will have a hard time connecting to the technology side of it. Uh, I think, you know, they could look at it and appreciate it. But just the idea of, of a video game, you know, like, like these or the way this is set up, is just kind of strange, I think. Mm -hmm. It may not fit well in today's, you know, PS4, you know, Xbox One world. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think you get even like a decade younger than us. And you're going to have problems selling this movie to somebody. I mean, mm -hmm. 
Yeah, this is just what one generation removed from Pong, you know. You had, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, honest, honestly, you had Pac-Man come out in, what, 1980? This comes out in 82, you know, and you know it had been in development and uh, production, you know, for a year or more. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're at cutting edge of what uh, you know, your graphics are going to look like. So this is probably like Space Invaders label, was what we were playing in the arcades and stuff, right? Probably. Yeah. Yeah, 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 you're looking Pac-Man, Space Invaders, probably, you know, edging toward Maybe Kong. edging toward Donkey Kong. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, edging toward Donkey Kong. That was exactly what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah, it was really, really early on in in that era. So, yeah, when you when you think about the dots and the lines, that's what you had. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it, that was fun. <laughs> yeah, it, it was funny. Like I watched I watched Tron like day before yesterday. And then I, I I just got the new NBA 2K game. And it was just so stark <laughs> between how the video games on Tron versus the one on my TV. Yep. It was just like that. Yep, that looks like LeBron James. It looks exactly like LeBron James. I mean, it's amazing how yep, much things have changed. Yep, it's not the dot that is you in adventure. <laughs> you know. I love, I love you know the game adventure. You have this maze, and you're just yeah. a dot on the screen. You know. Yep. Uh, I'm sorry, guys. I can't stop with the rabbit trails. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but they're I, relevant. They're relevant. Come on. My 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 wife made s'mores this evening. I guess I've got a sugar rush. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scattered. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, let's give out some awards. Y'all ready? Let's give out some awards. So here we go. All right. The first one is best performance. And I, I get to go first. And I'm, I'm juke moving, you guys. I'm, I'm not going to rethink I'm going. I'm going with Bruce Boxleitner. Um, I feel like he had, I mean, Jeff Bridges is the most charismatic person in the movie. Um, he's the guy that your eye gets drawn to. But in terms of performance, I think that the Boxleitner here, he's playing two very different characters um, whose names I can't remember, except I can't remember his real, real world, the, the user's name. Alan. 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 Bradley. Yeah, but Alan and Tron are very different people. And mm-hmm. when he gets that Tron outfit on, I mean, for a second, I didn't realize it was the same person. Mm-hmm. And and he, he portrays them both very differently. And I just, I think it's a solid and subtle performance. I feel like he had maybe some more heavy lifting to do than some of the other actors did in the movie. And he nailed it. Okay. Cool. Well, now you, uh, I'm going to go uh, on here. And you uh, alluded to my uh choice for best performance and i'm going to go with jeff bridges and i'm not going to go with jeff bridges as uh as kevin flynn i'm going to go with jeff bridges character's clue okay (laughs) driving the tank (laughs) and and if you've ever like you know listened to jeff bridges in interviews or or you know got into any of his uh you know kind of the aura that surrounds him he is a very colorful very interesting charismatic person has a very odd outlook on the world and lots of things <laughs> uh, and, and just to see him sitting there straight faced as clue talking to the bit you know talking <laughs> to his user and you know it, it was it just was such a departure for from me for him and you know 
it was so dry and so simple. I, I just, I just, I smile every time I see it. So that's that's my favorite performance. I will say it's the best. But it's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to go with myself. Go with Jeff Bridges also, but I'm going the Flynn side of it. So not the clue, <laughs> but the Flynn, because I just think that the way he acts, it is so before the time. You know, this character is this hotshot young programmer is so much in line with current YouTubers and social media stars. And this is way before any of that was ever even thought about. I mean, Flynn is an influencer way before we even had that term. Okay. I mean, he was the social media of the time. And I think that that, that to me could resonate possibly with a modern audience and I think that that's the reason I like that performance so much. Before we move on, Sam, have you seen Legacy? Yes. His portrayal of Flynn in Legacy is very kind of a Steve Jobs-esque mm-hmm. guy. Did you see the roots of that in this? I really felt the roots of that in this, especially going back yeah. to the watch. Yeah, Yeah, I think so. He, and, and it's really neat, I think, how he carried the character through. Yeah, it's really, really. Well, and there was that kind of that theme of the cool nerd in the 80s. Yeah. Like a, Val, Val Kilmer's character in Real Genius, clearly a nerd, but he was a cool nerd. The cool nerd, yeah. And yeah. Ferris Bueller was kind of a cool nerd. I mean, there was mm-hmm. a, there was a kind of a little theme there. And yeah. when it may have been the first. Yeah. How old do you think Jeff Bridges was in this movie? Sorry, Sugar Rush is derailed me again. <laughs> <laughs> he was 31. So, he was I was going to say... I was going to say mid late ish 20s, but 31, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He's got, Paul, he's got some Paul Red disease. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that he does. That he does. He yeah, has yeah. carried on quite well. Uh, next award is a scene. Sam, why don't you lead us off there? All right. So, best scene, man. The lot cycle battle between the gold <laughs> and the blue teams. That scene is so cool. It's action-packed. It's tense. It makes me think of the old snake game, though, for my first Nokia. But <laughs> I still love it. I still love it. Love that whole scene. It's still dynamic to this day. And, and I love every minute of it. And, and I, if I could buy a light cycle, I would. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I have actually seen a, uh, someone had decorated a motorcycle, uh, covered it over in light cycle gear. But they're, yeah. they, they're so unique. I mean, and the way they look, but also the way they do those right angle turns and like mm-hmm. they're trying to trap each other. I mean, just, it's just all at once. A, bang, bang, bang. Yeah, yeah. it's yep. so unique. I mean, nothing, I mean, there's no, nothing like it. It's, it's so cool. So, Jamie, is that yours too? Absolutely. <laughs> so, we're, we're three for three here, the light cycle. And I think that was one of the things that made the biggest impact, you know, visually. You know, mm-hmm. it was so stunning. So stunning, and the way that they would use the use the walls to to come together and, and you know box someone in, you know, while leaving yourself and out, and then when they go off the grid, they react, you know, they act entirely differently with that environment. Yeah, yeah. You know, but but even at my age, my family would probably be really scared if I had a light cycle. <laughs> I, I, the, only, the only time I ever tried to drive a motorcycle. Or ride a motorcycle. I crashed it into my sister's car, and it was my brother's motorcycle that I crashed into my sister's car. So- <laughs> Explain that insurance claim. 
Yeah, really. <laughs> my, my brother. brother. <laughs> I motorcycle into my car. <laughs> I, I assume that was yours too, Dwayne, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah we were all fist bumping over, over Scott. But. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so what, what's your best character, Dwayne? Oh, best character. Well, Jamie, I'm stealing your best performance. Uh, uh, Brooks Botleitner as Tron and Alan. Uh, like you said, the, the duality there. Um, you know, Tron is kind of a radical um, in the game. He's kind of a thing. You know, and Alan is just kind of a straight-laced character. You know, there's there's such a difference there. And uh, you know, being the namesake of the movie, I think was really apt and accurate uh, for this. So Tron uh, is going to be my favorite character. You, you know, I, I'm the same way. I, I went with Tron because this is the way I look. Jeff Bridges gets top billing. But what's the name of this movie? <laughs> Tron, right? I mean, he's this almost like a resistance fighter, you know, and that, that's a type of character that I think definitely comes to the forefront of action movies later on in the 80s. You know, here in the early 80s, you don't have that as much until you get your you know, Stallones and Schwarzeneggers as those resistance action hero type things. But, you know, Tron starts it out here, right? You know, he's like dead set on his programming. He's going to accomplish his mission, you know. So, uh, yeah, best character for me is Tron also. Well, yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna do the Dwayne tweak here, and I'm going to go with favorite. Um, <laughs> I love Ram. <laughs> I know he's a nothing character. <laughs> he's an actuarial program who's obsessed with accounting, who's bizarrely persecuted for his faith in the users. He's this little accountant guy forced to become a gladiator because one of the great competitors of his time knows all about the games. I love the scene where he nerds out on accounting. Yeah. <laughs> just, he's this strange little character in the middle of this movie. And I, and I love how earnest and sincere he is. And, He's both believable as a guy who could get good, good at sports, but also, yeah, I could see him doing some accounting. <laughs> <laughs> I like Ram. Yeah, Ram was fun. Yeah. So, Jamie, uh, that brings it back around to you for best quote. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm going to go with a small exchange between the Master Control Program and Sark. And so, <laughs> it's just it just stuck out to me. It doesn't mean anything. It's just funny. So the, so the MCP says... You're getting brutal, Sark. Brutal and needlessly sadistic. And Sark responds, thank you, Master Control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it just makes me laugh. Yeah, that was a good one. All right. Um, you know, I mentioned that I thought that this movie has a lot of themes that, that could are definitely relevant today. And so I'm going with an exchange between... Alan and Dr. Gibbs. Alan says, some programs will be thinking soon. Dr. Gibbs, won't that be grand? Computers and the programs will start thinking and the people will stop. Quite mm. prescient, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that is, that's very, uh, yep. People stop. Well, my uh, best quote, is uh, I'm, I'm doing another one of the is Jamie and so aptly named the Dwayne Tweaks. Uh, it's one of my favorites. Uh, doesn't bear, doesn't bear anything to plot. Doesn't bear anything you know deep or meaningful. But when uh, you know when Kevin Flynn when he uh, 
gets sucked into the game. He he commandeers a tank. Or no, he doesn't come here. He commandeers one of their uh, recognizers, one of the mm-hmm. flying things, and he's he's trying to make it work. And then this little this little floating ball comes along, and he says, uh, says you know, and he starts having this conversation with it, and all it's responding is yes and no. And he says, you know, is that all you can say? And he says, no. He says, can you say anything else? He says, yes. He says, oh, you're a bit, you know, just on and off program, one and two, simplest thing. He says. So another mouth to feed, and the bit goes yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and it's you know changing shape as it does it. You know that that animation and and that little you know exchange there just just makes me smile, and it's one of the high points of this movie for me. It's one of the things I really enjoy. They milk a lot of comedy that little bit. They really they do. Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, our first the episode specific awards is. Maybe the wrong person's going first. Um, it's the <laughs> best old-timey effects that I still like. Um, since it was Sammy's pan, I'm not sure if he should be going first, but he is. No, that's, that's okay. You Let know, him get it out of his system. It's okay. <laughs> because, you know, I think that the best thing about this, even though it's it's somewhat old-timey, is the landscapes themselves. The landscapes are just so beautiful. I mean, they are so 80s in their design and color scheme. It, it, it's the way all the TV shows portray the 80s as opposed to just the paneling and stuff that the rest of us had. Um, you know, it's those weird blurbs and, sh- and call-outs and lightning bolts that we all thought the cool kids had in all their rooms. You know, and, and that's, what's a, that's what's around this place. Um, even the, the the scene, especially with with like the solar sailor, right? When Flynn and Tron and Yuri are in that, and, and just even looking at the landscape while they're traveling, I just think it's beautiful, and it just it just still works. And by the way, if you didn't know, uh, Jamie, Solar Sailor was a game for the Intellivision video game system in 1983. So, this is true. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um... I, I'm I'm gonna be Captain Obvious, man. I'm going with the light cycles. Yes, they just look. I mean, to this day, they just look so cool. Yeah. And the way they move when they're on the grid, they're doing the right angles things, and when they're out on the regular stuff and they're sliding around like they're on a dirt track or something, and just the light cycles are just. I'm not sure how those effects work. I'm not in that industry and don't know anything about it. But they just look cool. Yep. Yeah. They that is an effect that they nailed to the wall. I mean, they got that so right. Uh, my uh, favorite best old effect that really works is uh, kind of encompasses both of yours and it exposes the starkness in the design of the landscapes. It shows you the fluidity and, uh, you know, sharp angles and dangerousness of the light cycles, but it's the way that they use the light through animation. You know, how, the, how they illuminated those uh, things and that really made this movie so stylized and so vivid it really made it work and unique yeah I mean, it's part of makes it so unique looking yeah definitely yeah that was that was the my favorite thing there is and the i want to mention the, I, wanna, I just want to mention the recognizers you mentioned them earlier mm-hmm. some, i mean the way they move when they hit stuff but parts of it just peel off i mean those were cool too <laughs> 
Yeah, yeah, how they would break apart in the yeah. different segments, and it was kind of like bits stacked on top of each other, you know, mm-hmm. almost. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and there was like nothing holding them together but electromagnetism or whatever you know you would have in the in the game world. There, it's pretty neat. Yeah. Well, think about a game like Asteroids. <clears throat> when you when you shot the asteroids and they broke apart, it was those type of somewhat geometric shapes, mm-hmm. you know. And you had to shoot the asteroids in such a way that the geometric shapes would not hit you. Well, yeah, they exactly. that part. <laughs> yep, yep. That would cause you to lose a life. <laughs> All right. Now, and speaking about an old arcade game, this next award is talking about something from the game that made us feel, or something from the movie that made us feel old. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, speaking about an old arcade game, fit uh, Flynn owning an arcade and actually being successful making money at it. <laughs> <laughs> and you look today at, you know, the status of, you know, your video games. There's like five in the corner of the movie theater, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's it. But, you know, I, I remember this. I remember going to the pizza joint that had an arcade room in the back. They took customer seating space to put in an arcade in the back of the pizza joint in my town. I remember going to the arcade in the mall, spending countless quarters over the years. Station Alpha. That's right. Um, you know, going to, you know, just any type of restaurant, any store that you went into, always had arcade games in the foyer. And, you know, what it's become today, but yeah, but Flynn, you know, being a computer programmer, being shunned from that world, being able to open up his own arcade and be as successful that's a stretch, made me feel real old. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 we'll go in, in, in order here. So, as we sit down one year, um, I, I'm kind of with Dwayne here. Every time a quarter drops in the slot, my joints ache. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my back. You oh. know, Dwayne was talking about Station Alpha. You know, um, I didn't get to go a lot, but when I went, I loved it. Um, I've never been good at video games. Uh, I stink at video games, even to this day. Um, but I just love the atmosphere and I love the designs of the cabinets. They're just so colorful and the characters just jumped out at you. Yep. And there was just this, this life to it that, you know, I, th- I think people my age are starting up barricades now just to try to bring that back in some ways. <laughs> but, <laughs> you know, but yeah, that, that, that part still makes me feel a little old. All right. So, so, Jamie, there were no arcades for you. No, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm just young enough to get arcades were gone. Um, we had Ataris and Nintendos in our houses, and we killed the arcades. <laughs> my, my, my generation did away with them. Uh, uh, for me, it's, it was the experience of watching it with my kids. Um, because, I, I, mean, I'd seen, I mean, I've seen Tron so many times as a young person myself, but I don't think of the effects as being dated. Um, I don't think of the hairstyles of being dated, but something about the experience of watching it with my kids and trying to imagine them seeing this movie for the first time and saying, like, oh, yeah, I bet this movie does look like garbage to them. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I bet everybody's hair does look odd. You know, and I just, This isn't just, the Wreck-It Ralph take on video games. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of just that whole experience, see, seeing this old movie in the presence of, you know, young people, it made me feel really old. Wow. Yeah. 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 I was thinking about um, Alan's glasses. You know, I think my first pair of glasses <laughs> looked like that. The first pair I ever had, they looked like welding glasses. They were so big and, you know, that kind of thing. So, yeah, but think yeah. about me. It was I really think that was probably my sixth pair of glasses before I got even that cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, you, but you think about, you know, kids that are they're my kids' age. I mean, for us, I mean, Tron was like mind blowing, right? Yeah. Uh, even when I saw it on TBS, it was still like, wow. Wow, yeah. Um, they thought Thanos. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, seeing the contrast between what they just take for granted. Yeah. As effects technology now versus what was mm-hmm. just mind blowing to us. Yeah, I felt old watching those effects with my kids. <laughs> it hurt. <laughs> well, speaking about feeling old, someone who never uh, probably would feel older if you see how he's aged in his thing, his movies, much like our main character in this. Uh, Kevin Flynn is digitized and brought into an electronic world. One Keanu Reeves has always woven our episodes together. Jamie, where does Keanu connect to Tron? Uh, it's going to be in a surprising fashion. Uh, this was much, much easier than we theorized last time. I was afraid. I was much afraid. <laughs> oh, I was terrified. Uh, uh, here we go. Uh, the Keanu connection this week is still a working actor, and he has bounced back and forth between TV and movies. And I just want to highlight here the diversity and length of his career. He began as a TV actor in the 70s, my favorite of which was a show with a great name, Studs Lonigan. <laughs> now that's a name. Uh, in the 80s, there was more TV work to follow. Uh, with mo- the movie started to get mixed in. He was on Knott's Landing, A Rumor of War, The Blue and the Gray, and oddly three projects nearly back-to-back with Strange in the title. Strange Behavior, a New Zealand horror movie, Strange Invaders, oddly not an alien invasion movie, but co-starring Nancy Allen from Robocop in a very not-Robocop role, and Stranger's Kiss. Don't look that up. Uh, Now, now fast-forward to Cagney and Lacey, Beauty and the Beast, a show that Ron Perlman shockingly played the Beast on, mm-hmm. uh, 30-something, Star Trek The Next Generation, Star Trek Voyager, Air Force One, The X-Files, and to this day still working on Blue Bloods, Bull, and Jessica Jones. Think of that. From Studs Lonigan to Jessica Jones. <laughs> That's a career. Uh, but in the midst of all that, actor Dan Shore played not only Ram in Tron, but also... Billy the Kid in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. And that is our Keanu Connection. (gasps) That is phenomenal. Sweet. I love the career. (laughs) When I was clicking on their faces on IMDb, his first two things on his his filmography were Tron and Bill and Ted. I'm like, I nailed it. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's killer. That is killer. It's a wild filmography, man. <laughs> it, it would. That's quite the career. I love. The, I love the breakdown there. That's quite the career. All right, uh, we're getting ready to do something special. 
Sammy, you wanted to preview it a little bit. Definitely. Holy colossal crossovers, Batman. <laughs> it's time for a nerd first summer event. <laughs> so, Jamie, tell us what will our summer crossover event be, sir? Well, um, if anybody has bothered to listen to my other podcast, Graphically Novel, um, you'll have picked up on the fact that me and my brothers are Batman fans. And so we've been talking about doing some kind of crossover between uh, the nerds and the Graphically Novel crew for a while. And we're trying to find some way to thematically link them up. And (laughs) shocker to no one, we landed on Batman. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to cover... Uh, Batman Begins here is our next uh, episode on Nerds at the Round Table, um, a Nolan classic. <laughs> and uh, we're going to de- maybe end up debating. Um, but uh, <laughs> rumor has it, Batman Begins, Batman Begins takes a lot of inspiration from Batman Year One, which is the graphic novel we'll be covering on Graphically Novel. Now, this isn't just a thematic crossover. It's going to be a host crossover. We're, we're assembling the full Voltron. <laughs> all of my co-hosts are all going to be on both shows. It's going to be uh, hopefully controlled chaos. Nerds, <laughs> assemble. <laughs> I'm guessing I'm going to get stuck being a foot. <laughs> <laughs> well, as we... Uh, prepare for those uh, episodes coming up, Batman Begins and Batman Year One. Break out your copies of Batman Year One, or as Jamie advised me, go to Comixology. They have a free 30-day trial right now going on. Uh, If you don't have a copy of Batman Begins on your shelf, shame on you. Go buy one. Uh, Watch that before our next episode. And put on your cape and cowl and keep it nerdy. (laughs)